Where are we at today? In the book of John. Amen. Oh, we could. All right. We are uh, in the book of John. Next week, Pastor Floyd Evers is going to be bringing the word. Um, uh, I'm going along with Pastor Jeff, Tom and Nancy Henry. He used to be part of our congregation here. We're all going to Mexico uh, this week. We're going to be teaching and preaching at different churches and at a pastor's conference there. So Pastor Floyd is going to bring the word also in John 11. Um, But this morning, we're going to bring a word out of John 11, and at the end of service, we are going to have communion. And so so be be ready for that, and the ushers will serve that at the end of of service. But John chapter 11, uh, let's let's pray for the word because we need his anointing. God, Father, without your anointing, God, this book can just be stories. It could be good stories. It could be encouragement. Father, but we need your anointing. We need the written word to turn into the rhema word. So speak to us through the word today, Father. God, I pray that each of us in here would be encouraged and challenged, Father, to know you deeper and to know who you are. Father, we ask a blessing upon this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And now is also a great time to silence your cell phone if you haven't done it, because it's always fun to get a phone call in the middle of service. Amen. There, there they go. There they go. So the book of John, chapter 11, is a great chapter. They're all good. Amen. But in the book of John, chapter 11, we're going to come across uh, another one of the seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself in this chapter. And so I want to give a little background the details of the story as we're in the book of John, chapter 11. In the, in the very first beginning of this, it says that there was a certain man named Lazarus. Now, what's important about that? We're going to move quickly through it, but simply that this is a real person. Jesus told a lot of parables. Whenever he told a parable, though, he didn't give the person a name. He said there was a certain man named Lazarus. So in case somebody's ever, if you've ever come across somebody says, oh, you mean the parable of the dead guy? And this is not a parable. This is a story of, of what happened. And so there was a certain man named Lazarus. Now this Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. And they were from Bethany. Now Mary and Martha, this Mary was the same Mary who anointed Jesus' feet with the expensive perfume and cried and wiped his feet with her hair in that beautiful moment of worship. And, and that was a beautiful moment of taking what you have of value and giving it to the Lord. Also of humbling yourself, humbling yourself down at his feet and worshiping. And that's this Mary. And remember, the streets in Israel were not clean They wore sandals, so this whole act of anointing and washing his feet with her hair was a very humbling situation. This is the Mary that did that. Martha was the sister. This is the same Mary and Martha, who Martha was the worker, and Mary was the one who sat at Jesus' feet. So we've seen them. We know a little bit about their personality types and traits. And, And just as a freebie, both of their personality traits are wonderful because God created them. So if you're a Martha in here this morning, and even just a mention of Martha brings up those things of going, oh, I'm so bad because I just like to clean and like to serve all the time, and, and I wish I could be like more like Mar- Mary. You know, 
God created Martha's and God created Mary's. And often Mary's need to learn a little bit more how to be like Martha and the Martha's need to learn a little bit how to be like Mary. But God created our personalities. So this is who we're talking about. And so they had a brother, Lazarus, who was sick. And they sent word to Jesus. Now, now backing up to the end of chapter 10, it, in chapter 10, last week Pastor Jeff brought the word of the good shepherd. And so, so there was a great, great message on who Jesus was. I am the good shepherd, another I am of Jesus. But at the end of the chapter, it says that he went back to the Jordan where basically where John was, had been baptizing, which is about a 20-mile trip from from uh, Jerusalem in Bethany where, where we're at. And so Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus away that Lazarus was sick. Now, in the, in the beginning of John chapter 11, um, in verse 4, Jesus says, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister uh, and, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick... He stayed two more days. Do you read that too fast? Ooh. Do you read that too fast? He heard that he was sick, and so he stayed longer. I'm going to... Jesus gets the word, and now he'll mix it down. And he stays for two more days. Why? We're going to find out what, why he stayed. And so he's in Perea, just above. Now, if you get on a map, you got the Dead Sea. You've got Jerusalem, Bethany, right over here, right at the top of the Dead Sea. The Jordan River is running there. And he's probably right at the top of the Dead Sea. Um, that's probably the location that, that John was baptizing. And so straight across, and that would be the direction, your direction, this way, on, on my, it's over here, but, um, over to Bethany and Jerusalem. And, and, and that was only a couple of, uh, Bethany was only a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. So they send word to him, 20 miles by foot, and so Jesus gets the word, and he stays for two more days. And in that moment, then Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to kind of sum this up. He tells his disciples, he says, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And so the disciples are just thinking that he's, you know, he's sick, and he's going to actually physically just go wake him up. So the disciples say to him, listen, you just left there because they wanted to stone you why would you want to be going back? And so um, Jesus says, you know, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. And then and a little while later, and they go back after two days because he's trying to help them understand. He says, you know, he's not sleeping. He's dead. But I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. And that's really important. And we'll get into that in just a moment. So he, Jesus, they travel. And we don't know how long it takes to get there. But uh, it's 20 miles is, 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 you know, we walk the white path. It takes us 45 minutes to an hour to do the three-mile jaunt. Jaunt, so, you know, um, you're talking, you know, it's going to take six hours of walking plus to get there. So that's a nice, nice long walk. Um, and so they walk, and they get right into town, and he finds out that Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb already for four days. Now, the Bible says that he, he finds out, but Jesus already knew this. So four days, Jesus actually spent two extra days, and then he traveled a day, and now Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. So, so either it, he died as soon as the word got sent to him, like as soon as they left, he died, or Jesus actually spent two days coming back. Interesting, isn't it? 
So he's been in the tomb for four days. And he comes there, and the Jews are comforting Mary and Martha. Now, remember a few weeks ago we talked about when you see the word Jews, sometimes it's talking about the Jewish people, but often it's talking about the Jewish leaders. And because Mary and Martha were Jews themselves. In fact, everyone was a Jew. So why did they bring that out? So it's possible that those that are comforting Mary and Martha are leaders, leaders in the synagogue. And they're comforting Mary and Martha. Now, Mary stays in the house, and Martha comes out to meet Jesus. Um, we see as we read this, this account. But Mary's the one who was always at Jesus' feet everywhere. Why didn't she come out? Because she's too distraught. She's too depressed. She's staying at home, I believe. I, I, I don't have any backing on this, but why else would, would Mary, the one who loved Jesus, who was always with Jesus, running to the tomb at his crucifixion. Why didn't she come out? Probably because she was in the place that most of us in this room have been to, been at. I just can't leave. I'm too upset. And she stayed, and Mar- Martha comes out. Martha meets Jesus. And Martha says what most of us would say. If you would have done something, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And we can't blame Martha for saying that because I think all of us would say those same things. God, if you would have only acted and done something, this wouldn't have happened. And Martha has a good enough relationship with Jesus to tell him that. If you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And so the Jews... Except for the Sadducees, they believed that there was a resurrection. They believed that there was eternal life and that they would rise again. And so Jesus says something that probably, you know, dozens of people have already been telling Martha. And Jesus says to her, says, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Comforting words. And she says, I know that in the last day, he'll, he'll live again. You know, sometimes we come and we try to comfort people with a, with a phrase like that and and it's not very comforting because we're still grieving. And so she thinks that that's what Jesus said. How many times had somebody come up already? I know he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day, verse 24. And Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Matthew, could you check the the thermostat and make sure the AC is on? Thank you. I don't want to lose them yet. They're fading fast. It's cold and then warm. We could open a door. And as we got a little, uh, we got the uh, humidity going too. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she answers, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're the one who is going to come. I believe this. So just a moment ago, just a moment ago, she was saying, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But I also know that you are the Christ. You are the resurrection and the life.
And I'm going fast, but I'm going to come back and hit all these, uh, hit the, the main points. So, so I'm, not, I'm not flying and just going to keep going like that. And so, so what do we see next in this, in this time? Mary, then Martha goes back and tells Mary, hey, listen, Jesus just said Lazarus is going to live, that he's the resurrection and the life. And so Mary now comes out to meet Jesus herself. And she goes through the exact same thing as Martha. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It's a common answer for us, isn't it? God, if you would have only done A or B or C, this wouldn't have happened. But Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He listens. In fact, what what do we see next? Very shortly after this, what do we see Jesus doing? He weeps. He weeps because he's moved by the distress, by the discouragement, by the depression, by the, not by the death, but because they're mourning the death. See, Jesus doesn't weep because Lazarus is dead. I believe Jesus weeps because he sees the, the hurt in the sisters. And he has compassion on what they're going through in the moment. It's so much that it says he actually moans. I mean, Jesus is in anguish. Over, over what's happening, but yet he knows that Lazarus is about to live. And so Jesus, Jesus does something great. He tells them to take away the stone. Take away the stone. And I love the King James Version in this next verse. It's got a great, if you've got the King James or ever read it, it's the best translation of this at all because it says, Lord he stinketh. <laughs> and that's a great way to say it. He stinketh. I mean, that's just, that's in a, a great picture. Four days in the tomb. Four days in the tomb. He stinketh. And there's a great message in that. And, you know, the, the, quickly that it doesn't matter how far away you are from God how dead you are and how stinky you are in your life, Jesus calls to you and says, come forth. And he brings life, no matter what the situation. That'll be a message for another day. We'll just call it, he stinketh. But now, Jesus, he rolls away the stone anyways. And, you know, I mean, this this might be kind kind of gross and upsetting, but... I've been around dead fish. I've been around dead animals. It stinks. I mean, okay, four days. Roll away the stone. Now, now look at this this verse here. You might. You, I'm reading my notes more than the Bible because I can make my notes bigger than the Bible, and my eyes are you know, getting harder to read these things. I switched too far, that's why. He says in a loud voice. So it says in verse verse 43, he says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! Now why did he do it so loud? I think I know. I heard somebody preach this one, a message with this thing in there. And he says, you know why Jesus said in a loud voice? Because I don't know. 
He didn't have to wake, wake Lazarus up. You know, he, he can miss send the command. Why do you say it in a loud voice? Probably the same reason I have said prayers in a quiet voice, except the opposite. You know why sometimes I've said prayers in a quiet voice? Because I honestly didn't know if God was going to answer it. And I didn't want to make such a bold prayer statement out loud because of my lack of faith. I'm just confessing. I'm sure none of you have ever had a moment like that. Because the moment you proclaim something out loud and it doesn't happen, well, who's the fool now? Jesus says in a loud voice, come forth. Well, it would have looked really bad if that wouldn't have happened because everyone heard it. Everyone going around, so what now, Jesus, huh? And Lazarus comes out. He says, unbind him. And this is the the gist of the beginning of chapter 11. So what I want to go back and touch on is just a few points in here that uh, of, and there's a a lot of really good points. And Pastor Floyd's going to bring a message next week that I believe will encourage and challenge all of us. But I want to go all the way back towards the beginning of chapter 11. When Jesus finds out And he hears about Lazarus being sick. He says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is such an important thing for us to understand and know that bad things happen in life. Difficult things happen in life, and it doesn't just happen to people who don't know Jesus. It doesn't... Bad things don't just happen to unsaved people. They happen to saved people. People who love God. People who are sold out. People that are walking in His will. Bad things happen. And, and this chapter really is about death and discouragement and depression at the beginning. Discouragement that Jesus didn't do what He could have done. Depression that they've lost their brother. Yes, they know he's going to rise on the last day, but that doesn't help me today, does it? When somebody dies, and, 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 and good-meaning Christians, myself included, try to encourage them, saying, you know, but yeah, they're in heaven. And the thought is, a lot of good that does me. I miss them. This is difficult. Today, you might be in the midst of something really difficult. You might be in the midst of a medical diagnosis on your life. Something that's come up or in your family. You might be in the middle of the loss of a loved one. Maybe somebody you cared for has just died or is, is about to. You might be in the midst of a, of a loss of a job, and there's probably a number of people who are, who've gone through that in the last couple of years, losing a job. In the, in the economic downturn, it's a great way to say that this, everything's just really a bummer, isn't it? Economic, it's the economic downturn. You might be in the middle of a hurting or broken marriage. You don't know what to do. It's part of life and there are difficult moments and it's discouraging and it can be depressing and it can feel even like a death. And we've probably cried out, you've cried out, God, if you would have only done something, if you would have only answered my prayer if you had only been here this wouldn't have happened and so we can relate with mary and martha going through this trial and this struggle and 
and, and the feelings that they have, and you are right there or have been or will be. That's one thing that's certain is all of us in this room will be here. We'll lose somebody. We'll have a diagnosis. We'll, something will be difficult that we have to go through. But Jesus said, this is happening. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, we come to just just a few verses later, not much physical time either, and we know the end of the story, and it's great. But you know that when you're in the midst of the difficulty, it doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes long or 10 years, it seems like an eternity. When our oldest son, Matthew, was just three years old, we were remodeling our house on aeroplane. It was one street off of the boulevard. And I was there with an, a, a local guy, an electrician, and Matthew was you know, just playing right around the house, and we were doing stuff. And, and of course, I'm a, I'm a guy. I'm a dad. I don't keep good watch on my kids. It's, it's in our blood. And, and Matthew was playing, and, and, and he said, you know, he, he was carrying a little lunchbox. He's walking around, and he says, what are you doing, Matthew? He says, I'm going to work. It was really cute, and so that's great. And so we're, we're doing stuff. And about 10 minutes later, I, you know, I start looking, well, where's Matthew? He's doing the check. Where's, where's he at? And he couldn't find him out. He wasn't in the yard, so we go through the house, and he wasn't in the house upstairs, back downstairs, back around the house. Now I've got my friend Steve working with me, and we're, we're doing these in and out through the house, passing each other, doing circles. We're, we're checking everything, and the circles are beginning to get bigger, and he's gone. He's gone. So we run up to the, the a house behind us where actually we had used to live and our friends lived there. We run up onto the, uh, on there and we knock on the door and, and we ask John, John, have you seen Matthew? And no, and, and I said, he's gone. And so, so now we're doing bigger circles. This is right next to Circle K. And so there's people and Matthew was the cutest little toe-headed blonde kid. You know, and we thought, my goodness, did somebody kidnap him? So we're getting the circles are bigger. Now we're all the way over we're all the way over at Circle K looking for him, and we're in a panic. And I tell you, it seemed like it lasted for years, and it was probably four minutes, ten minutes maybe. Finally, all of a sudden, I heard John yelling. And, uh, and, and it sounded like a good yell, and so we run over, and he was at his house. He was, he was looking now, too, our neighbor. And he goes, I found him. And, we, and I walk up right then, and there is Matthew in John's car, in the driver's seat, with his lunchbox on the front seat. Where was he going? Thank you. He knew where he was. He liked their red sports car, I guess. That was horrible. That was horrible. The fear that we have when there's the pending loss, when you're going through and you're waiting for the diagnosis, when... When something has really happened, the, the fear, the pain, the agony, the depression, it lasts for a long time. Jesus is there in the midst, but sometimes he's there weeping with us. Sometimes he's there weeping with us. He's not solving our problems all the time, is he? But he is there, having compassion. But he knows, he knows the scripture because he is the word of God that says 
that he will work all things out for the good for those who love him. But in the meantime, this is really hard. Right? How many, how many tests, how many things can you look back over time and say, boy, that was really hard, but God really was so good. And you don't even feel it anymore, but you just, wow, I know it was hard, but then God was good and it's great on this side, but it's horrible going through it. There's tough things that come. And one of the things that happened was that there was a delay. See, Mary and Martha both had an issue. If you would have been here already, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus decided to delay the miracle. And Jesus does that with us. We pray, God, answer this prayer. God, save my spouse. God, bring my children back. God, heal. God, do these things. And sometimes there's a delay. But it's important for us to know that a delay does not mean denial. That just because there might be a delay in the answer to the things that you're going through, that it doesn't mean that God is denying you. Do you know that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 8, healed a centurion by his word? Jesus didn't even have to come to heal Lazarus. He delayed it, but he didn't even have to go. He could have just sent the word and healed Lazarus, yet he chose to delay the answer for a few days. Four days. By the time Jesus got there, Lazarus had been in the grave how many days? Four days. You know why four is significant? Because in, in this time, there was a belief, and it actually was in, in Judea, Judaism also, that, that the spirit of a person would actually hang around for three days. That, that there could be a resurrection, you know, a resurrection up to three days, that there, there was just kind of an underlying belief, and it's even found in the Midrash, um, which is, is a Jewish book of explaining the Tanakh, which is the, the, Jewish, old, the Jewish Bible. The, the Midrash explains it, and so in, in Ruth, in the Ruth, not the Ruth of the Bible, but the Ruth of the Midrash, it has all these stories of how people were raised on the third day. And so Jesus waited four because there had been a thought that maybe he would come alive in three days, but not four. So Jesus really wanted to say, listen, I'm above all of that. And so he waits four days. Which day are you in? You may be in day one or two or three. or Hopefully you're in day four. And the resurrection is just about to happen. But difficult things happen. I want to tell you about a phone call I got this morning. And I don't usually take phone calls on a Sunday morning. It's dangerous. But I, I went ahead and answered the phone. It rang this morning at 830 and Jackie Temple, now it's Rogers, called this morning. And some of you remember Jackie Temple. She was part of our congregation for quite a few years. She's living in, in outside of Kingman in, um, I forget, with the little sun, one of those little areas out there. And she said, I really, God was leading me to call this morning. And so I went ahead and called. And she told me a story. She, she didn't know if she didn't really want to tell me. She didn't want to call. She didn't want to tell me. But she really felt impressed this morning. 
And so she said, she called to let us know, her church family know what was going on. She doesn't know that she was part of God in the moment that she called. She does, she does now. Now, Jackie is the mom of Denise Starr. And do we still have Zach back there? Denise Starr was the girl we were praying for in February whose little baby, um, well, she was in the hospital and didn't know if the baby would even was still in utero, would live, and that, that she might have to either have a miscarriage or um, that there's still birth, and they just didn't know. And, and we were praying for Denise and little Mason. And this, then, then a miracle happened. This little Mason, the picture, the first picture on the thing. Um, let's turn those lights off right around that thing right there, just so you can see it good. Okay. Now, obviously, Mason was born and he lived. Praise the Lord for that. So this is Jackie. This is Grandma to Mason. She calls this morning, and she tells me that she's been going through um, a very difficult time. When she was sitting by her bedside, by Denise's, her daughter's bedside, while Denise was possibly going to die herself, when Mason's life was really in the balance, Jackie got a phone call from her doctor that said she has cancer. In the past four years, she's had three major surgeries. Her daughter was possibly dying, and her grandson looked like he would not make it. And then she gets a call that she has cancer cancer synovial sarcoma somebody knows what that is very rare one to three in one million people get it one to three in one million um forms around the joints so here she is three major surgeries four years worried about whether her daughter or grandson will make it she gets a call saying that she has this rare cancer in her leg but god god won't give you more than you can handle will he that's such a lie. That's not true. By the way, he made it very well. God won't give you more than you can handle. Who's heard that preached? Who's heard that quoted? You know what scripture that is? That second opinions. It's not 1 Corinthians that people mistake it for. 1 Corinthians says that with every temptation, God will give you a way out and that he won't give you more than you can handle in the moment of leaving the temptation. It's not about suffering because I tell you, God has given some of you way more than you can handle. And in that moment, in that moment for Jackie, this was what was happening. I'm going to lose my daughter, my grandson, and me. That's more than she could handle. What is true is that God said that he will walk with us through the fire, that he will, he's the good shepherd, and that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will be with us. The Bible says that he gives us peace that passes understanding. That is the truth. He doesn't say that you won't go through a whole lot of trouble. But I believe if we will turn to him, that he will carry us through the hard times. But if we don't turn to him, we could find ourselves in worse predicaments. And it doesn't get much worse than those moments. How do you deal with all of these things that Jackie was going through this morning in this phone call? And, and, and you don't. You don't do You can't do it alone. 
You have to do it with God. And so you come running or probably more aptly crawling because we have no strength to walk on our own. And we come back to God. We come to him and she called to say, this cancer has got a very positive thing in my life because I was far away from God and I was dead inside. And you would think that the three surgeries that I went through would have brought me back, but they didn't. And she's telling me all this with a joy in her voice. And she says, I've come back to the Lord and I'm alive in him. And I was dead and he's going to and he's using this and he used this so that I would come to him. And I started giggling. I'm trying not to giggle because I'm like, this is ridiculous. I am the resurrection and the life. This whole message is Jackie's story. She needed the resurrection and the life, and she's going to have it because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And she's already understanding that this sickness turned out for the glory of God because she's putting her focus on the right things, not because it's easy. God, this is so difficult. But you brought me home. And she says, I'm praying every morning and I'm in his presence. Now, all this is coming from the woman who on Thursday finds out if she gets to keep her leg. And the prognosis is bad. In fact, Jackie told me, I don't think I'm keeping my leg. They're going to cut it off. And I'm okay with that. Because I have two eyes and two ears and two arms and I got another leg. But I am praying that that he'll spare my life. But if he doesn't, I know where I'm going to. So that's, she, she called for a prayer, prayer report, and I asked, I asked her if I could share her story. And, and she was actually amazed at, at God and his timing. But she, she called for prayer. She wants peace. And she's already got so much, but who's ever been on the roller coaster of, of loss and grief. It comes up and it goes down. and So we need to pray for her peace until Thursday. And then when the, whatever, we're praying for a miracle that, that the doctor will say, you can keep your leg, the cancer is gone. We're praying for all of these things because we know, just like Mary and Martha, that he is able. I think we can relate with Mary and Martha on another side as we think about Jackie and other people who need a touch from God. At least I can. I know that God is able. I just don't always know if he will. And that's a, that's a hard place to be. He is able to heal and to restore and to do amazing things. But the issue really becomes is we just don't know if he will. You know, there was a number of resurrections in the Bible. Jesus was not the only one. Of course, Lazarus was. But there was the guy who fell on Elijah's bones. There was the Shunammite child. There was, there was I think, maybe six or so resurrections in the Bible. There was Jairus' daughter. But you know what they all have in common that Jesus doesn't have in common with? They all died again. They all died again because this life is temporal. It's not permanent. 
In the end, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will never die. If you believe while you're alive, you will never die. We will go from this moment and we will fall over. And before our bodies even hit the ground, we'll be with Jesus in heaven. We will never die. He is the resurrection. Did you notice he didn't say in that passage in John 11, 35? He didn't say that I am going to resurrect and give life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. When Jesus is present, resurrection is present in your life and in my life. But there's a delay. There's the difficulties we still face. Finally, we find, we go back to Martha's statement. Martha, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know that if you ask God, he'll do whatever you say. But there's so many questions why things have to go a certain way. Isn't that true? We question, well, God, why did you, why did that have to happen that way? It's not a question of his ability, but we go, God, why did, why did it have to do this? And I wish I could say there's an answer for that. But it'd be a cheap answer. It'd be a platitude. Because I don't know the mind of God. I don't know the mind of Christ to know why bad things happen to good people. But God will walk with you through the midst and if we trust in him, we can know that he will bring life and resurrection to whatever situation it is, whether it's here, whether it's the way we think it is or not, or if, until finally it's when we're in heaven. We need Jesus to be the resurrection in our life. And he didn't just come to give us a better life here and to do whatever we want him to do here. He came to give us eternal life. He came to be the resurrection and the life. You know, I've, I've even thought, how, how much longer did Lazarus live? You know, we, we focus on that, he, that, that Jesus raised him from the dead. We forget that, that he still died. What's the big picture? God has an eternal purpose, an eternal plan. And that God will work his glory out and he... He is not willing that any should perish and he'll walk with you through the difficulties. But sometimes you will go through the difficulties in order for God to be glorified and for something else to happen. That's amazing. But difficult. And so we put our faith and trust that he is who he says he is. And that we ask for the peace that he he can give in those difficult moments. And we have to trust him. The seven I am statements of Jesus that we learn from in the book of John, he says that he was the bread of life, that he's the light. Jesus says, I'm the gate. In chapter 10, he said, I'm the good shepherd. In chapter 11, he's the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, he's the true vine. And you know, one of the things Pastor Jeff didn't mention is talk about good shepherds. Last week is sometimes there's a sick sheep 
and a messed up sheep or a wandering sheep. And he treats them all differently. But the wandering sheep, if he has a wandering sheep, you know how a shepherd will used to cure the wandering? He would take the little wandering sheep and break its little leg and put the little sheep around his neck and splint the leg that he couldn't walk. And he, and, he, and he made the sheep so he couldn't walk. And then he would heal the little leg, and that sheep would stay around his neck until he was all better. And he wouldn't let it out of its sight. And when he was finally all better, he would put the sheep down, and the sheep was all healed, and he wouldn't stray anymore. Some of you feel like you've had your leg broken. Or worse. Let Jesus be the one who picks you up. And get to know his voice. For Jackie, this was her story. I was wandering. I was a wandering sheep. And she goes, God did not cause this to happen to me. But he is using it to bring me to him. This morning, I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the elements for for communion. We celebrate communion because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he is who he says he is. He was our sacrifice for sins. As we celebrate this communion, we need to remember that part of Jesus is this resurrection power and life that walks with us through the difficulties and will see us through on the other side. We have communion. We're going to go ahead and just pass out the elements and just hold on to them for just a moment and we'll, take, we'll partake together as soon as we're done. That he is, he is power. He is life. But we have these issues. We tend to wander. We tend to do things our own way. We tend to get lost in the questions and never come back and say, but you, God, are the Christ. Jesus, you're the Christ. We believe you. We follow you. We trust you. We begin to question, and then sometimes that question turns into anger and we find ourselves in the wrong place rather than coming forward closer to him. So this morning, as as we do communion, It's because of the broken body and the blood of Christ that we have communion. The service started out, God speaking to us to come back to him. We're going to end the same way. Lord, as we have communion this morning, understanding that he is resurrection and life. that we trust Him, that we receive not just His sacrifice for our sins, but we also receive His will for our life. God, we want to be in Your will. We want to know You. I know they're still passing out the elements, but we're going to pray for just a moment over this, these elements. Father, We thank you, and that's such a weak word, 
for what you did for us on Calvary. But Lord, that was just what was finalized. How you lived and taught us to understand you is so important. That you are the bread of life. That you are the gate. You're the good shepherd. You are the resurrection and the life. God, we thank you that if we believe in you, we will not die. Though at times we feel like we are. We thank you that you are the life. And that all this was accomplished because of your sacrifice. Jesus dying on the cross for us. Father, as we receive communion this morning, we do it as an act of dedication to you because it, you said that we would take your body, that we would eat of it. We would take of this cup which represents your blood and proclaim your death. Father, we, we thank you for what you did. We commit ourselves, ourselves fresh to you this morning. God, we ask that you would be the resurrection and the life in our lives. That you would walk through us in the difficulties and that we would see your answers coming forth. That we would see your purposes fulfilled in our life. That you would give us peace in the journey. God, today we take communion in, in a statement of love and, and belief in you and in trust in you. That all these things could only be accomplished because of your sacrifice. We thank you for your body. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the bread together. The Bible says that in the same manner that they, Jesus on the night that he was betrayed on that last night, which will be in just in a few weeks, they took the cup of, of wine. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood. He is our sacrificial lamb. He is everything we need. Father, as we receive this cup together, we trust you. And we thank you for your sacrifice. The great price that you paid for us. Father, we receive that sacrifice by giving you our whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close the service today, we're going to close it with just a, a prayer. And we're going to play a song, and you're welcome to say and listen and worship. You're also welcome to, to go ahead and, and leave during the song quietly. And if you can do that, just fellowship out in the hallway. Don't forget to be over at the Stangles. Everyone's invited. You don't need a special ticket. But um, come, and, and we'll fellowship and greet them. But as, as we leave, we're just going to listen to this song and and uh, whenever you're, you're feeling ready, you can leave. You can come and receive prayer or come and pray by yourself at the altar. Pray for one another, but we'll do it quietly in respect for one another. Father, thank you for this service and our time together. Lord, we need you so much. I'd pray for everyone in here this, this morning who's going through 
discouragement or depression, who's experienced a death or a death of hope, that you would walk with them. God, that they would even know that you weep with them, not because you're afraid of what the outcome might be, but because you love them so much and that you have compassion on us in our difficulties. Then, God, give us peace and hope that you are the resurrection and the life. Bless each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen.